My name is Audrey, and I'm a member here at the Heights. And today we're going to spend some time in God's Word together. Today's teaching comes from John 16, 1 through 15 in the Bible. The large numbers are the chapters, and the small numbers are the verses. Let's hear what God has to speak to us today. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment. Because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because... He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. John 16, 1 through 15. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for giving us the gift of your word. We ask that you speak clearly to us through it today. Help us to not just listen, but to truly obey it for our joy and your glory. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Audrey. Um, you know, it's kind of a scary thing for somebody to come up and read a whole Bible passage in front of, you know, a group this size. So thank you, Audrey, for serving our church. Um, Anna already said it, but happy Halloween. Um, I think we can say that here, right? Um, I know I can see many of you wore your costume, and so... Um, no, it, it is a little bit ironic that today, um, if you've been paying any attention in our Apostles' Creed series today, we're talking about the Spirit, and it is Halloween, and that was not planned, it was just a coincidence. Um, but we're, uh, we're excited to dive into this part of the Creed. Um, you, we just had the, heard the Bible passage read, and we're going to be diving into John 15 here in just a, uh, just a second, but a little bit of context. Um, I was not supposed to be standing right here this morning. Um, our other pastor, Corbin, um, was supposed to be teaching, and um, about 11 a.m. on Thursday morning, 
we made the decision um, because his two daughters uh, had just tested positive for COVID, uh, Merritt and Tyler. And we made the decision that it was probably best that I go ahead and take over and plan to preach on Sunday. And this is how you can know the Holy Spirit is real. Because we prayed about this, me and Corbin, we prayed about this on Thursday. And we were like, it's better that I just plan on it because who knows, Sunday morning, you could test positive for COVID. Well, this morning, Sunday morning, Corbin tested positive for COVID. Um, so he and Allie and both of their girls, all four have COVID. He wanted me to tell you guys that they're doing fine. They're going to be just fine. They're not feeling too bad. But all that to say is I opened up my Google Doc on Thursday morning at 11 o'clock and said, all right, let's write a sermon. Let's do this. So here we are. Um, this is week eight in our series through what we've been calling, uh, through our Apostles' Creed, the series we've been calling I Believe, uh, where we're studying what Christians have held at the center of the Christian faith for nearly 2,000 years now. And so if you're new, what you need to know about this series is uh, we've we're studying this old creed, about 1,600-year-old creed called the Apostles' Creed, and it's a 16-line summary of the whole Bible. It takes this huge book that can sometimes feel big and a little bit convoluted and confusing, and it boils it down and it summarizes the key things that stand at the core of the Christian faith. And so we've just been working line, for, line by line through the creed and understanding where, where this is in the Bible, and it's been helping us study the Bible together. So um, if you've been around for a few weeks, you know, we've been doing this every week. Um, we stand together and we read the creed aloud, and this is to help us working this into our head and our hearts for us to memorize the creed together by saying it aloud each week. So I'm going to go ahead and invite you to stand up, and we're going to read the creed aloud together. This is how the creed starts. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Great job. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good job. Now... We just wrapped up five full weeks on the middle part of the creed, which was about Jesus, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who, who he is and, who, and what he came to do. But now as we move on to this third and final part of the creed, we really are, are seeing the ripple effect of Jesus' life, death, his ministry, his resurrection, his ascension, ripple into the first century of the church. And really what we're seeing play out in the last part of the creed is his ministry legacy. And if you pay close attention in the Gospels in the New Testament, what happens right after what we talked about last week, Jesus' ascension, the next thing that comes is the, in Acts 2 is the Holy Spirit falls on the church. That's what happens next. And that's what we're picking up this week in the creed. Our line this week for the creed is, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and all the charismatics in the room said, thank God, 
right? Um, so as we get started, I want us to start out with a little thought experiment, okay? So I need you to imagine with me for a second. Everybody got their imagination caps on? All right, we're going to do this together. Imagine that just for a minute, how incredible it would be for Jesus to be your personal, in the flesh, life coach. All right? He was your, like, personal discipler. So you were apprenticing under Jesus. He was, like, there in your corner, coaching you at every turn. He was your mentor. He was your group leader. Fill in the blank. He's there all, like, all the time. Okay? Yeah, amazing. Somebody imagine that. Somebody got real deep in imagining that. Um, he would help you navigate life's biggest and small moments, like your greatest challenges, all your biggest life decisions. He's in the room with you, like consulting with you as you're trying to figure things out for the future of your life. He's there to like give you the thumbs up on like, yeah, you should take that job. Like, yeah, while you're on the phone. He's there to like counsel you in life's hardest moments. Like imagine this. Okay, just like play this out with me. Let's even go, let's go further. Who has a dog here? Okay, a lot of dog people. Like, imagine Jesus is with you, and your dog dies. Boom! He's there to raise your dog from the dead. Who has a cat in this room? Okay, a few of you. I mean, imagine this. Your cat dies. Boom! He's there to help you bury it. It's amazing. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, can you imagine that? Now, let's take, let's take this a step further. I'm going to get some emails about that, huh? <laughs> Send them to Corbin. <laughs> but, like, think about this. But let, let's take it a step further. Okay. Imagine I came up here and I had a letter. And I said, church family, I speak on behalf of myself, on Corbin, and Mike. And... Uh, you know, specifically me and Corbin, it's been a, a great run. We've been here with the Heights since the Heights was seven people in an apartment. Now it's grown to this incredible thing with a, a few hundred people. Like, it's been amazing. But it's time for us three to move on. Corbin's taking a job as a sailboat captain in Maui. And me and Mike are going to run a fishing outfitter business off of that boat, okay? Imagine I came up and, and read that to you. And uh, hopefully some of you would be sad. <laughs> um, but then I would follow up and say, but guys, listen, I've got, a, I've got great news. Our replacement, one person's going to replace all three of us. We have just landed an incredible hire as the new pastor of the Heights. He's going to do everything. More effective at teaching. He can heal you. He can counsel you. He can teach you. He's going to do a great job. His name is Jesus Christ, all right? He's the new pastor here at the Heights. Genuinely, think about how exciting that would be. You would think, I I have this, like, inside scoop on, like, how to actually, I can actually, like, apprentice myself, myself physically under Jesus. Like, how amazing would that be? And, I mean, like, we would probably still watch online if you guys kept the online thing going, right? But in our passage today, the one that Audrey just read, we're going to see that, like, although that situation sounds amazing, it's not actually the best situation for us. In fact, 
Like, you're going to see this. I'm going to give you the main idea for this teaching this morning. But you're going to see this play out in the scripture. This is the big idea. The Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. As amazing as it sounds for Jesus to be your personal life coach and your pastor, what the Bible tells us is that the Holy Spirit inside of us is better. Like, let that sink in for a second. He's better inside of us. So let's pick up in John 16. Uh, Audrey just read this. This is on page 959 in the Bibles that we provide. This, let's look at starting in verse 1. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and they're kind of a little confused about this. Like, maybe we would as well. He says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I've told you these things. But I've told you these things because they have. Let's see, I I just got all confused. But I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You got to imagine Jesus like circles his disciples up. And it's this like really gentle, like really kind words. He circles up and he says, guys, life is going to be hard. If you keep following me, like it's not going to get easier, it's going to get harder. But I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember. Because I'm going to go away. I'm going to go, they don't understand the full weight of this. I'm going to go be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect, but then I'm going to ascend and I'm going to be gone. And I don't want you to think for a second that I've, I've left you. So he picks back up in verse 7, and I really want you to key in on this verse. Verse 7. Nevertheless, so in spite of those things, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your, can you guys say this word? Benefit. It's for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, then I'll send him to you. Like, I just want you guys to, I I think we just don't think like this. I think we think functionally Jesus beside us is better. But Jesus says it's actually better for us if he goes away and this counselor, the Holy Spirit, comes. The Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. But then Jesus goes on in this passage and he tells us what all the Holy Spirit does look at verse 8 when he comes talking about the holy spirit he will convict the world about sin righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me about righteousness because i am going to the father and you will no longer see me and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged i still have many things to tell you but you can't bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth and he will not speak on his own but he will speak whatever he hears He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And everything that the 
and everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes what is mine and will declare it to you. Now, there's a lot here, and we're about to unpack all this here in just a second. But at the center here, at the core of what's happening here, the Holy Spirit is the acting agent of everything God the Father and God the Son wants to do in our world and in our lives. The Holy Spirit's the key. The Holy Spirit is how those things translate into our lives. He's the person who takes all the realities of God, like from the intellectual, the philosophical, to the religious ideas, and he makes them come to life in you and in me. And honestly, if we take this for what it's worth, and we're going to unpack this more in a second, this is our only chance for any type of life change. The, the Holy Spirit is the only opportunity for us to actually experience God, God's love, and God's salvation in our lives. Like that, this is the link in the chain. If it's gone, we can't have access to those things. And so, as we think about the Holy Spirit, His role in our lives... Um, let's look at the four categories that we've typically used um, as we've taught through the Apostles' Creed series. We've talked about how the creed brings clarity, balance, counsel, and reorientation to our lives. So we're going to use those four categories, and we're going to talk first about how the Holy Spirit brings clarity, how the, specifically the line of the creed brings clarity about who the Holy Spirit is, all right? So that's what we're going to look at first. Let's get clear on two things, all right? Two things that we're going to get clear on. Who is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? Okay? Two things. The first is, notice that I even phrased the question. I didn't say, what is the Holy Spirit? I said, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, in short, is the third person of the triune God. The creed has helped us with this. We, we say, we've said this every week. I believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. And we believe in God the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force of some kind. He's not some sort of like vapor trail of Jesus. He's not the like invisible magic that like when Harry Potter raises his wand, like it's not that. It's tangible. He's a person. He's a person. He's the third person of the triune God. He's equal with the Father and the Son. So that's really who he is. And we could, I mean, there's many, 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 many hours of conversation about that. But for our time today, we want to wrestle with this other question as well. What does the Holy Spirit do? And I think this really actually helps inform who he is and how we understand him. This is a big question. And before we can even understand this specific question, I want us to kind of like back out and understand how the Holy Spirit functions in the Trinity. Welcome to church today. We're talking about this really mysterious thing called the Trinity, all right? But we're going to see how the Holy Spirit functions in the broader context of the other two persons of the Trinity. Um, and what we see unfold in the Bible is God, save, God saving his people is actually a Trinitarian work, okay? And here's what I mean by that. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all play equal roles in the work of loving and saving us. And here's how this breaks down. We have this on the screen. In, in the process of salvation, we're going to talk about this. This is just one example of the Holy Spirit's role. He does many more things. We're going to talk about this. But what we see is the Father plans salvation. So the Father plans salvation. The Son, Jesus, achieves salvation on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit applies it to us personally. Okay? 
That's how we see the work of salvation being Trinitarian in the Bible, holistically. Now, let's make this a little bit more clear. Um, Here's what this looks like. Before the foundation of the world, the Father planned to save his broken world through the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. The Son of God then takes on flesh, enters into human history in the person of Jesus to achieve salvation. So we see the Father plans it, the Son achieves it, comes in into our broken state. He lives the life that we should have lived perfectly obeying God. He dies the death that we deserve for our sin, and on the cross says this line, it is, the it referring to salvation, salvation is finished. It is finished. It is accomplished. It's achieved. It's finished. He rises from the dead, ascends to the right hand of the Father, and then sends who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is to take the salvation that the Father planned and the Son achieved and to apply apply it to real people in real life with real sin. So here's what we're saying. Without the present work of the Holy Spirit, none, none of us would actually tangibly know or experience the love of the Father. It would be an idea. Without the work of the Spirit... None of us would be able to receive the salvation that the second person, second person of the Trinity, Jesus, achieved for us. We would still be stuck in our sin. The Holy Spirit is the link. I think this should be on the screen. The Holy Spirit is the link in the Trinitarian chain that brings full salvific connection from the throne room of God to our ordinary lives. Like, Apart from this third person of the Trinity, none of the things that we believe as Christians would actually be possible or tangible for us. They would be ideas. So what we're saying is, as much as we need the Father's love and the Son's work on the cross, His death in our place, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit to apply these things to us personally. Otherwise, they're not attainable to us. They're ideas. The Holy Spirit is not this like, optional add-on for people who are serious about the Christian faith, or maybe people who have like a more charismatic personality. No, like the Holy Spirit is everything. He's the one who begins, sustains, and brings to completion our lives in Christ. We can't come to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't be sanctified or changed without the Holy Spirit. And we can't arrive finally at our destination one day without the Holy Spirit. He sees the whole, he sees it all the way through. So the reality is, like, whether we have thought about this or not, we are actually totally dependent on the Holy Spirit for everything. Any type of life change we've ever seen, Holy Spirit. Any type of, like, feeling the affection of God towards us. If we've ever felt that God loves us, Holy Spirit. If we've ever felt a little discontent with our lives, like, gosh, I want to change. Like, I want to be made new. I want to kick this, or I want to, like, grow into this. Holy Spirit. Everything about the Christian life is ran through the Holy Spirit. It's unbelievable. So, let's take a deep breath. Can you guys take a deep breath with me? (sighs) Amazing. Now, we need the Holy Spirit. Not open for debate. We could talk about this for hours, and we probably should someday, and we probably will. But for now, 
I want to show you really briefly, so get ready. I, get, I let you catch your breath for a second because we're about to really get into it. I want to show you 22 things that the Holy Spirit does for us in the New Testament. I'm not really going like, to explain them all, but I just wanna, I want you to see this on the screen. This, okay, you get, like, that's a lot, isn't it? That feels busy, doesn't it? That's on purpose, okay? Like, take a picture of it or find it later, you know, in the, in the you can find this on podcast, whatever. Uh, but these are the 22 things that the Holy Spirit does for us, okay? Like, let that sink in. I'm going to read them really quickly. The first eight come from our passage in John 16. The Holy Spirit counsels us. He convicts of sin. He gives us a vision for righteousness. He reminds us of our victory in Christ over our enemies. He guides us into the truth. He speaks what Jesus says. He declares to us what is to come in the future. He glorifies Jesus. That's all in John 16. Then we see he gives us new spiritual life. He gives power. He adopts us into the family. He brings unity in the church. He pours God's love into our hearts. I love that one. He produces the character of Christ in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He produces joy in us. He gives us gifts to use to serve one another and our world. He sets us free from the bondage of sin. He testifies to Jesus. He connects us to Jesus. He is the spirit of Christ. He gives us life. He justifies us before, before God. And then a big one. Holy smokes. He inspires the Bible. Like, guys... Not only do we need the Holy Spirit, but like, man, if we, the sooner we can begin recognizing the work retrospectively he's done in our lives and the potential for our lives, like, the more all these things come true for us. I, I hope you see that. We need the Holy Spirit for everything. To summarize that, I'll quote a recent patriarch of the Greek Orthodox Church of Antioch saying it this way. Without the Holy Spirit, God is distant. Christ is in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization. Authority is always domination. Mission is propaganda. Worship is the summoning of spirits. And Christian action is the morality of slaves just to feel good about ourselves right without the holy spirit we're sunk we're sunk that's how the creed brings clarity to our lives clarity who he is what he does amazing amazing the second category that we look at is how does the holy spirit bring balance to our lives. This is short. This is shorter, I promise. There's not 22 things here. Um, This line in the creed really brings balance to us. The Spirit is maybe the most seemingly mysterious member of the Trinity, which I hope maybe has diffused that a little bit as we see all the things that He does in us and through us and for us. Like, hopefully that's becoming less mysterious. But typically, we're hyper-focused on the Son, Unless you grew up in more, let's say, a Pentecostal church background, like this is, our, this is typically our bent. Salvation is something done by Jesus only, and we kind of leave it there. But we think about the Trinity, we think about the Father, the Son, and most of us, like if you've grown up in a tradition like me, we think the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Just leaving the Spirit out of it, because it's a little bit weird, and we're not, we're not really sure how to engage. So we like... 
we take the Holy Bible in place of the Holy Spirit. We're saved by the Father planning salvation, the Son accomplishing salvation, and knowing the Bible more. Functionally, that's how we operate. We think, we think that. And we wonder why our lives feel puny and weak. We're so spiritually fragile and frail. We think, if I just know more, my main problem is if I just know more Bible. If I understand that the Father plans salvation, if I understand that the Son achieves it, and then I just know my Bible better, I can change. I can defeat sin. I can like, live the life that I've always wanted to live if I just know my Bible more. That's what we think. We think our knowledge, our wisdom, our understanding is the key. Then we could sanctify ourselves. And in thinking this way, it leaves us living a powerless Christian life. If the Christian life were like riding a tricycle, if I could have found an adult-sized tricycle, I would have. But if the Christian life were like riding a tricycle, this poor view of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Bible, would be like us riding a tricycle designed for three wheels but with a one flat wheel. You know what happens? You go in a circle. You know what also happens? You have to stick your leg down to try to maintain balance. And you know what? You get tired after a while. We end up trying to compensate for that missing third wheel, and we wear ourselves out. We stay stuck in our sin, and the Holy Spirit is just something we never engage in. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not putting the Bible on the bottom shelf here. We love the Bible. We did a whole series about the Bible earlier this year. We believe that the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us, but the Bible is not God. The Holy Spirit is God. So church, unless we acknowledge the Holy Spirit and invite him to do the work in us and in our church, like we're going to stay, we're going to just keep going in a circle on a tricycle. Like, not fully living into the life that God has for us. So, that's how it brings balance. It brings the Holy Spirit up onto the level of the Father and the Son for us when we don't typically think about it like that. Balance. The third way that we apply this is it counsels us. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit, brings counsel to our lives. Um, so, carrying this tricycle analogy a little further, there's... There's a third wheel. The question then is, okay, if there is a third wheel and we inflate it and we lean on it, what does that look like? Like, how do I live life in the Spirit? That's the question that we're after. after. This is where it gets really practical. Thank goodness Galatians chapter 5 just lays it out for us. It shows us a contrasting life, a life in the flesh, a life living with a deflated wheel, and it shows us a life in the Spirit, a life marked by power. And life itself. Look with me, Galatians chapter 5. We have this on the screen, starting in 16. Paul says this, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what's against the flesh. These are opposite of each other. They're opposed to each other, so that you don't want to do them. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Here's what life looks like with a deflated third wheel. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, if we inflate the third wheel of our tricycle, we see the Holy Spirit as God. We acknowledge Him as God. We lean on Him as God. We walk with Him as God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of life in the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does anyone in this room look at that list and you're like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to be that person? Or like, oh, I hate those people, the gentle people, gosh. Or the faithful, gosh. Or the people that are joyful. No, these things are magnetic. Are you kidding me? We all want this. Paul says, now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its desires. Verse 25 is key. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Three phrases, three phrases that come from those few verses. We see a command to walk by the Spirit, verse, verse 16, be led by the Spirit, verse 18, and keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25. The Spirit is moving and doing things and changing us, and it's our own stubborn standing still that will prevent us from being changed and moved and molded into the image of Christ, which exhibits the fruits that were just listed above. And so, like, if the Spirit is moving and changing, let's be pliable. Let's move with Him. Let's be led by the Spirit. So then, let's just take this even one, like, that's a, that's a really nice thing to say in church, right? Like, that's a, a nice church pattern. Yeah, be led by the Spirit. Or, I was led by the Spirit to do this. But, like, practically speaking, let's work this, like, really down into our lives. How does this counsel us to live differently? All right? Like, how does this, how do we do that? Right? Like, that's a cool thing. Yeah, let's walk by the Spirit. Let's be led by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. We all want that, but how do we do that? Well, thankfully, a, a good friend of ours uh, named J.D. Greer, who's a pastor in North Carolina, like, outlines these five ways that we can be led by the Spirit. Here's how we functionally. So if you want to write these down, you want to take a picture of these, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack this for us. But here's how we can live a, le- a life that is... L- being led by the Spirit. Here's how we can inflate the third wheel on our tricycle and live a powerful life, all right? The first, and these are going to go quick, but the first is through the Word of God. Here's how we understand how to be led by the Spirit. We believe that the Bible is the primary place where God speaks to us. In fact, we see this in 2 Timothy uh, 3, starting in verse 15, or 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God, and then look at this, is profitable for teaching, so it's good for us, for rebuking, for correcting, for training, so that the men and women of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God speaks to us through 
the Bible. So the first way we can get on God's channel is by reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us so powerfully if we'll just open the book. If we'll just open it and read it. Like, I think many of us feel so paralyzed by that. We're like, I don't know where to start, or, like, I feel like I've failed so many times in so many Bible reading plans. And we have a lot of great tools. We're going to be talking a lot more about that at the new year. But, like, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by just not even opening the Bible. If we want to experience leadership by the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have to open our Bibles. That's where, that's where God's speaking to us all the time. Like, 24-7, seven days a week. 365 days a year, God's speaking to us through the Bible. So first is through the Bible. The second, this is an interesting one. The second way that we can experience the leadership of the Holy Spirit is in our own giftings. In our own giftings. This is wild. The church, the people of God, and we'll be talking about the church next week um, as, we, as we talk about um, in, in the Creed series. Um, but in the church, we function like a body, okay? This is the illustration given to us in the New Testament. Paul writes writes this talking about giftings of each member that make up the body. Look at this. This is in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Notice the Trinitarian, the Trinitarian like nod there. The Spirit, the Lord, talking about Jesus, the Son, and God works all of them in each person. And look at this. This is a key verse, verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. In your own gifting, in your own gifting, if you'll cooperate with the way the Lord's made you and the ways that you've been gifted, you can experience the leadership of the Spirit by just doing what, you're called, like doing what you're already good at doing. Practically speaking, when we leverage our unique giftings for the church, we're giving the Holy Spirit access to our lives to lead us, to lead us, and to use us. When we're just opening ourselves up to say, use me, like, use me. Now, Paul goes on to say all kinds of other things in that 1 Corinthians 12, uh, but for brevity, we're gonna, we stopped there. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Like, like, you each have been wired uniquely to be you, and you've been given a specific gift for the rest of us. And one way that you give the Holy Spirit access to your life is saying, even the one thing, my own gifting, I'm going to present back to you for the common good of all. That's a way that you can be led by the Holy Spirit in your own giftings. Number three, through the church. We experience the Holy, the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives through the church. When we look at the whole book of Acts, I mean, we would be quoting like a million verses. From start to finish, the most common way the Spirit is leading the people of God is through His church. This is where everything unfolds in the book of Acts. This is why Christianity isn't this me, my Bible, my coffee in the mountains religion. Like, we need each other. We see there's a unique thing that happens when the people of God gather together. He does unique things that we can't experience unless we do that. Simply put. Like, we can't experience a dimension of the Holy Spirit's leadership both in our personal lives and in the corporate life of our church unless 
I hate to say it like this, unless your butts are in the seat. Right? Like, unless we're here and participating together. And so, I mean, practically speaking, if we disconnect from the church, you're disconnecting from the Holy Spirit. Because that's where he guides us. That's it. Through the, through the church is third. Fourth, the whole, we experience the Holy, Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives, in our own spirit. This might sound a little bit strange initially. Yes, the Holy Spirit works to lead us through our spirit sometimes. A uh, couple, couple examples of this we see really clear in the Old Testament and New Testament. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. Nehemiah says this, Then I arose in the night, and I had a few men with me, and I told no one, pay attention to this, what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. In his own spirit, God impressed something on him to go do for someone else. Like sometimes we experience the Holy Spirit's leadership by him impressing something on us that we can't shake. Another example of this is in uh, Acts, or Acts chapter, yeah, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, listen to this, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Both of these, Nehemiah and Paul, both are burdened for a city. Mission outlet here, right? Like, they, they're impressed in their spirit. They're provoked in their spirit because they see, things, they see things in our world that ought not to be that way. They see things, they see cities of people who need to know who Jesus is. And God provoked something in them through the Holy Spirit to act. So sometimes we experience the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our own spirit. Lastly, through our circumstances. This one is a hard one to nail down sometimes. <laughs> the Spirit works to lead us through our circumstances. 1 Corinthians 9, or 16, 8 and 9 say this. Excuse me. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has been opened to me. Yet many oppose me. This is Paul. He's looking at his circumstances and he's saying, there's a door open here and I'm going to step through it. Sometimes for us, this looks like we're trying to figure out what's next. And we're looking at our opportunities around us. And if there's an open door, we walk through it. And if we walk through it, we experience the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If we try to walk through a door that's closed, then we experience the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He opens and closes doors for us. And sometimes he works in our circumstances. Do you know why? Because he wants us to experience the love of God. And sometimes God loving us is God closing a door for us. Because we don't know what's best for us. We can't know. But we can experience the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives in a, just an awareness of these, of these things. Of like, simply put, opening our Bible. Stepping into our own giftings. Like participating in the church gathered. Paying attention to the things that provoke our spirit. And then Looking at our circumstances. I mean, my goodness, like what this is calling us to is a spirit-aware life. 
where we're always saying, okay, I'm not alone in this world. Holy Spirit, you're with me and you're leading me and I want to experience your leading because I know that's what produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life. So like, what do you want me to do here? I, a really practical example for me this week is um, how many of you uh, send emails at work? Yeah, most of us. Sometimes pastors get a lot of emails. It's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. But I was sitting at my desk this, this week, and I'm trying to practice this, right? Like, I say practice because, like, we don't, it's not a, sw- a switch that we just flip, and we're like, okay, I'm an amazing at walking in the Spirit. But I'm practicing this. And I just said, I was writing an email to someone, and I said, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to tell this person from your word, for their cir- from their circumstance? Like in my own gifting, is there something in my gifting I can leverage for this person? And it wasn't like spectacular. But from my Bible reading, that morning, the Lord just, the Holy Spirit just brought this Bible passage to my mind. I thought, well, I'm going to send it. I'm going to include that on the tail end of my, now don't be weird about it. But like, I was like, hey, I just hope this encourages you. And it just, made the, it just made a world of difference for that person. Like simple things. It's just us growing in an awareness of mundane things that the Holy Spirit is there and wants to work and wants to be part of what we're doing. He just wants to lead us. And so as we kind of round the turn here and we think about reorientation, our last section it really leads us into a response time this morning. And this is an invitation away from self-help towards spirit help. Many of us just toil and work and struggle in the flesh. And when we do that, we just end up with flesh results. We live in our own strength by our own ideas. And this is an opportunity for us to respond as a church to come and to surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Let's quit fighting sin in the flesh. That's a death spiral. Let's quit running to professionals. We always want to like, have the best professional to give us the best advice when the, the Bible literally calls the Holy Spirit the counselor. The all-knowing God offers you the best counselor. And so let's invite him in. Maybe some of us this morning, we need some counsel. We're hurting. We have a decision. We need some counsel. Some of us need freedom. Some of us need encouragement. Some of us need to be built up and loved. Some of us need to experience God's love for us. You're you're, you're the one who's sitting there thinking, I don't experience God's love right now. And we want to we want to create a space, and I mean, honestly, guys, this is what we're trying to do every single Sunday, is create a space for us to do what we call mutual ministry, where we don't believe that this is where ministry happens. We believe this is where ministry happens. As we mutually encourage, we mutually care for, we mutually love each other. And so what we want to do is we want to create space for that. Practically speaking, if, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and you're like, this is all really new to me, like... We would love to have a conversation with you. We would love for you to consider taking Jesus himself and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit today. Accessible to you. If you 
would consider yourself a Christian, we invite you to come forward, take communion. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to reflect. Before you take communion, I want you to think about the body and the blood of Christ broken and shed for you. And I want you to think about the things, even though that's true, and the gospel has been achieved for you, salvation has been achieved for you, what are you not allowing the Holy Spirit to to apply to you? And let's spend some time. Here's the expectation. Our staff is going to come around the front. I'm going to ask community group leaders. Actually, I'm going to ask you all to do that right now. If you're a group leader, could you go along the back aisle? Our staff's going to come up here. And we just want to spend the whole back end of our service being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing in each of us. And let's take some time to counsel one another through the Spirit, to see freedom through the Spirit, to maybe experience new life in the Spirit, to receive courage and confidence in the Spirit, to move from a fragile life to a powerful life. Let's pray for each other in the ways that we're sensing the Holy Spirit at work in us. I want to encourage you guys to stand now. I'm going to pray for us. And I want to encourage you to move around this room. This place, There's freedom in this space. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you left and gave us the Spirit. That you've applied everything that you've accomplished for us through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your nearness to us, clinging to us, indwelling us. And we ask that you would do a unique work in our church. Spirit, you're already at work and would we just like be willing to move around and be prayed for and pray for other people and encourage other people and build people up and pursue unity in the Spirit and confess sin in the Spirit. Would you help us to do that in this, in this time and in this space? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond.